0: with the problems of life. Sometimes when it rains, it pours. Today, Pastor Ray Bentley has encouragement for each and every one of us.
1: All of us are facing a variety of trials in our lives right this moment. But how many of us say when we are being tested, Lord, what I really desire and what I really need is wisdom. Wisdom from God is found in Jesus Christ. Spread the news,
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When we're in trouble, deep, dark trouble, how do we cry out to God? It's probably, help, get me out of this. Well, today, Pastor Ray shows us how the better prayer is, Lord, give me wisdom. Why? We'll find out today as we return to James for today's study in God's Word.
1: James chapter one, verses five through eight. And uh, James is actually an anglicized version of what the original book was actually called. And the real name is Jacob. That's what uh, we talked about, how James was the half-brother of Jesus. And how that uh, all his growing up years... James didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And even when he began his miraculous ministry for over three years, he still didn't believe until after the resurrection. And then we read that the risen, glorified Jesus appeared unto James. And after that, James not only became a believer, but a leader within the early church, one of the first martyrs. He gave up his life, stating that... uh, Jesus was in fact, Yeshua of Nazareth, was the Messiah of Israel. We mentioned that James is believed to be the first book of the entire New Testament that was written. Therefore, we're reading the earliest record of the believers of the early church. And interesting that his name really was Jacob, that Jesus had a brother named Jacob because his namesake in the Bible was actually Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was the man whose name was changed to Israel. And Israel, by definition, means prince with God. And uh, so James maybe is a, a picture of Israel, even in our own day, finally not believing, having that divine revelation of the coming of the Lord, and as Paul mentions in Romans 11, all Israel finally being saved. Now, beginning in verse 1, it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw himself as a servant. There's no greater or higher privilege that we have than we can say, I serve the Lord. Very humbling. And I have a passion at at this particular moment in time in my life as as a man, as a husband, as a father as a pastor. I, am, I, I have been thoroughly, completely blessed in my life. God's grace and mercies have been overwhelming, totally undeserved, and off the charts. But I want more. I'm not satisfied with where I am and what I have learned. And it's so good all it's done is create a deeper hunger and a greater thirst. I want to go deeper with the Lord from this point forward than I've ever gone before. And because I am your pastor, I'm going to drag you all with me. I'm drag- I am. I'm going to drag you with me, cajole you, exhort you, encourage you to go deeper with the Lord. Now, having said that, what can we expect? Those who did come into a more intimate, direct revelation of God always were extremely humbled. It is a humbling experience when you really begin not just to know in your head, but to feel in your heart and to experience in your spirit the presence of the Lord. Rather than give yourself this title or that title, uh, or even that, oh, we're the sons of God, which we are. James, just like Moses, just like Abraham, just like David and others, I am the servant of the Lord. And, that, and count it a privilege to be at the bottom, as it were, of the totem pole. What an honor to be the bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So this is before Paul's missionary journeys. This is before you know, the, the Gentiles of ancient Europe began coming to the Lord. These are to Jews, the earliest Messianic Jews who believed in Jesus, greetings. Look what he says in verse two. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So this dear brother of the Lord, Jesus, exhorts us from his own experience, when you have a variety of trials that you are facing, rejoice, because God is working his character into you. And you you need to know this about your daddy, your father in heaven. He is deeply committed to forming The character of his son Jesus in you. He's more interested in that than he is in, you know, prospering you and all the outward blessings. He's interested in who you are on the inside. And his main goal while we're here on the earth is my character that is being formed. And so God uses these trials and we need patience because that brings maturity. I believe, you know, and those who have been with me know, I believe we are living in the last days. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. But the signs around us look like, sound like, feel like these are the last days. And there's a prophecy in the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, it says that in the last days, my servants will do great exploits. Great exploits. I want to be part of that. I want you and I to be part of whatever that is, I don't want to miss. So we are to rejoice, God is forming his character in us, and then we pick up with verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Beginning with verse five again then, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. I used to think when I would read through this that it was two different unrelated points, all right? I'm going through trials, God wants me to rejoice, he's building character in me, okay. Point two, now, if you lack wisdom, ask God for wisdom. But there is always a thing called context. Things are always related one to the other. So the very fact that he goes from talking about trials to then saying, if any of you lack wisdom, they go together. In other words, it's not just enough that I know that when I am encountering trials, God's working on the the character of my heart, He wants me to rejoice in Him but I need something more and that's something more that I'm going to need to make it successfully through the trials I am presently facing let alone the trials of my future I need wisdom from God I need the wisdom of the Lord all of us are facing a variety of trials in our lives right this moment and It's not just one or two. It always comes in a pack and a variety. And may I also add, now that I've walked with the Lord some 40 years, that you think, well, someday I will arrive at some point of maturity where they kind of lessen or get, you know, kind of maybe go away a little bit. You never arrive. You never, in fact, I would say to the opposite of that, That the greatest trials, as long as you live here on the earth, are, are yet reserved for the future. I don't mean that to discourage you, but I mean that to just state reality. Abraham's greatest test of faith in his life did not come when he was 40, 50, 60, 70, or even 80 or 90, but when he was 100 years old and everything that had happened in his life up until that point was merely preparation for the great test. When God said, now, you really love me, don't you, Abraham? We've walked together for a hundred years. Take now thy son, thine only son, to the mountain I will show you and sacrifice him unto me. And that whole story of the deliverance of Isaac. Moses was 80. Everything in his life up until then was merely preparation. I believe we are a chosen generation and all we have learned and all we've experienced and all we've gone through is merely preparation for what's coming next. But here's the exciting thing. We have in these trials the opportunity not only to rejoice in Him, to know that our character is being built, but we have something uniquely that is available to us, and that is divine wisdom. Wisdom is divine. It is not of this world. It is not of this earth. It is in every respect. It's, it's supernatural. It is greater than all the miracles that you could imagine. Wisdom is given a place of honor in the Bible that exceeds anything you could even dream or imagine.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was a very kind and friendly pastor. He will be greatly missed. He, of course, is enjoying the full essence of God's glory. We will see Him again someday. Heavenly Father, please bless His wife, family, and church members. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Prayers and messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us Ray at raybentley.com, or post a comment online at www.raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: Now James has a great deal to say about wisdom in the Bible. It is true that the Jewish people had a great love. They were great lovers of wisdom. Hence the book of Proverbs and let alone Ecclesiastes and all of the prophets. What really is wisdom? And and I wanna differentiate between wisdom and knowledge. I put this quote, because I thought it was so good, into your notes. Someone once said that knowledge is the ability to take things apart, while wisdom is the ability to put them together. We have never had, as human beings, so much knowledge as we do today. They say that, that knowledge is expanding. It was a little while ago that they said all human knowledge from the beginning of the human race until this certain point, which is, can you imagine, a lot of knowledge, was being doubled every five years, something in that range. They're saying that within our lifetime, in the future, uh, not too distant future, it'll be doubling within months. All human knowledge accumulated doubling. And doubling, We're on a curve where knowledge is going through the ceiling. And yet we've never lived in a more dangerous world. Knowledge is not the same as wisdom. Talk about taking things apart. We're unraveling the secret of life. We are dissecting the DNA code of life, the mysteries of creation. And yet real wisdom is needed in our world right now. We can't bring peace to the world. We can do so many things, but we can't feed and take care of poverty and hunger and war and the things that have been with us perennially. It is proverbial to say that there are educated fools. They have brilliant academic credentials and yet they fail at the simplest decisions of life. And why do we need wisdom when we go through trials? Let me put it to you this way. It's an analogy that I have used before when, when Vicky and I were first married and young parents and we had little tiny Annie and Daniel were young and little whippersnappers running around whipping and snapping. And, uh, I remember I would get down on the when I would come home from work, you know, she's been with them all day, so I would get down on the ground. They would jump on me. We would roll and wrestle around, and Vicky would often be laughing, and she would be working on this tapestry, and so I would see the, the needle and the threads, but for days and sometimes weeks, I would be looking at basically the back side. It just looked like a bundle, of variety of multicolored threads, and some longer, some shorter. It didn't look like really anything. Finally, curiosity would get the best of me. I would walk around and I would come behind to see and I would go, oh, so that now I see. Everything is nice and it's tight and it's in place. And there's this, you know, whatever beautiful picture she's working on. Well, I think you can see the analogy. While we are here on this earth and we look up to decipher our world, Our trials and our tribulations, often it's like looking at the backside of a tapestry. And we've got all these multicolored strings hanging. (laughs) And what would be wonderful is if God could come and take us by the collar lift us up into heaven and from heaven, when we look at our lives, it'll be like that. So that's what you were doing. That's what it looks like. And that's where that color fits in. Beautiful, Lord, awesome, perfect. But what do we do in the meantime between now and the time that we get to see the other side of our lives where it all becomes clear and makes sense? While we are still here, James says what we really need is wisdom, divine wisdom and insight. The first thing that often comes to my mind when I face a trial is, okay, Lord, how long is this going to last? And, you know, he never tells me. But I always develop in my mind how long I think it should last. So I endure until I reach that point in my mind where, okay, it's enough. Now we, I've learned you know, the lesson, and so we can move on. But I've found that the Lord feels sometimes I need it longer than I think I need it. And so when it goes on that way, then finally, I say, Lord, get me out of this now. That becomes my focus and my prayer. And then when it continues to endure, you say, Lord, why me? Why me? Why do I have to go through this? But God works in us in mysterious ways. But how many of us say when we are being tested, Lord, what I really desire and what I really need is wisdom. Please use this trial to increase my wisdom and my understanding of you. I need divine insight into what's going on. This is exactly what James teaches us. Again, what is wisdom exactly? Let me say what it is not. We've already stated that it's not knowledge, not mere knowledge or the accumulation of information. And with all the information that we have, we're going very fast, but I don't know that we're necessarily going in the right direction. I put a little definition here for you about wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge and information you have. It is real, it is, wisdom is practical, and it shines with the light of righteousness. You know what's going on right now in Israel? There's war in the Holy Land. And I tell you that whenever there is war in the Holy Land, it's like God Almighty from heaven knocking on the front door of planet Earth saying, wake up, wake up, wake up world. And I submit to you, you know, I read probably like you do in not only the newspapers, but the magazine articles. And and they have no, they don't, really know what to do. The best thing that the leaders of the world could do is admit, we don't know what to do. We do not know how to solve this problem with all of our abilities and our skills and they're trying to you know, split the difference and all the rest of it. To humbly say, we don't know what to do. We exhort all the leaders of all the governments and all the people of the whole world that we humble ourselves and ask God for divine wisdom. That's the best thing that we could do. That's why we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Anything short of that will end in a terrible, terrible nightmare. And that's what the Bible actually tells us. We need wisdom. We need to pray for our leaders to have wisdom. We need to pray for our times to have wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. I wanna encourage you not only listening to this Bible study but right now, in your mind, before we finish, you whisper in your heart, yeah God, okay, I'm ready. I need wisdom. I pray for wisdom for my life and what I'm facing. I want you to turn with me, hold your finger in James, go back with me to the book of Job, right before the book of Psalms, Job chapter 28. If James is the oldest book of the New Testament, Job is the oldest book of the entire Bible. It was the first book ever written. And Job is a fascinating character. But in Job chapter 28, beginning in verse 12. I want you to follow along as I read through the rest of this chapter. He says, but where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value. Oh, how true that is how we need an emphasis upon wisdom to be added to knowledge. Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. See, you can study the sciences, and you can study nature, and you can study the universe, but wisdom will not be found there. The one who created it did it with wisdom, but the wisdom we need is beyond it. In verse 15, it cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir in the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold of Ophir is the gold of the original pure gold that was in the Garden of Eden. Listen, what the the Bible is saying is wisdom is so valuable that all the gold of the whole earth could not buy it. Verse 17, neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for the jewelry of fine gold. If you made all the gold even into beautiful jewelry and added to its value, still not enough. No mention shall be made of coral or quartz, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Nature does not have it. Destruction and death say we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understand its way and he knows its place for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind and apportion the waters by measure. He made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt. He saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it, indeed, he searched it out. Okay, now listen to this, verse, here's uh, the whole point is in verse 28, and to men he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. This is talked about in the book of Proverbs, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. For the believer, wisdom is then revealed in all its fullness in the person of Jesus Christ.
0: Great insight on wisdom and the value of it. From our studies today with Pastor Ray Bentley here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, The Need of the Hour is Wisdom. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his book called As the Days of Noah, a Prophetic Fiction Novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world.